Welcome to the Inspire Church podcast. We hope this message will equip and empower you to reach your God-given potential. Inspire Church is all about loving God, loving people, and inspiring our world. Visit inspirechurch.com.au for more information. This morning I'm going to talk to you about what do you see. You know, it's interesting when all of us, we've had experiences at times and we've been through life and we've had circumstances that haven't worked out the way that we think. We've had curveballs thrown at us from the left to the right. And it's what you see in those circumstances, it's what you see in those situations that often will determine the outcome. You see, it's easy for us to look at what is right in front of us, the circumstances that are in front of us. You might be here believing for healing. You haven't yet had your breakthrough yet. And then we end up, all we end up seeing is the fact that, God, I haven't seen my breakthrough yet. Maybe I missed it. Or you're believing for a friend to get saved. You're believing for financial breakthrough, but yet you haven't seen it. And it's easy for us to get caught up on what we don't see. You know, God will speak. He'll share. He'll, he'll lay something on our hearts. He will know that he's a good God. We'll pray and believe and, and we'll get all excited for a moment. We'll start to walk and we'll start to celebrate. We'll start to declare in our prayer times that, yes, Lord, you're a good God. You're amazing. I thank you, Lord, for the breakthrough. I thank you for the victory. And we get all excited. But yet, how many people know that God's time is often very different than ours? We think it should happen at a certain amount of time, whereas God says, no, 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 I'm just going to draw it out a little bit longer. And we often question why that is. I have no idea why that is, but what I do know is that God is in control. God is well able. God will do it in his timing because he sees the full picture. We only see what we see, what's in front of us, yet God sees what's coming on ahead of you as well. And so God says, no, 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 in my timing, the door will be unlocked. But how many people know that when you walk through the door and it's like, yes, finally God's opened the door. Awesome. You get through it and it's not what you thought it would be. There's a curveball that gets thrown at you from the left. There's something that gets thrown at you from the right. And it's what you do in those situations. That is the key. It's how you look at that. That is the key. Because for many of us, me included, there'll be times you'll walk through and think, hang on a minute, God, this is not what I prayed for. This didn't look like the way when I prayed and asked to give me a dream and a desire and to outwork the plans and the purposes for my life. And then all of a sudden I walked into it, God, this is not what I thought it would be. And so often it's easy for us to hang on, hang on a minute, Jesus, I'm going to turn around because I think I've walked through, I think I've walked through Vippin's door. I'm going to turn around and go out and I'm going to go I'm going to find my door. And God says, no, no, it's not about what you see, it's about what I see. Don't get caught up on what, what you see in the natural because it's, about what God says. It's about what God sees. It's about, yes, God will open a door and we just need to be faithful to walk through it. You know, we've been here for nearly three years now. And we felt at the start of the year, three years ago, uh, my wife felt God speak to her about this was a year of change. And so the job that she was in at that time was one where we were kind of feeling that season was coming to an end anyway. So when God shared that word with her, she spoke to me and said, hey, Steve, I think God's uh, saying it's a season of change. And I'm like, yeah, man, that's awesome. That's cool. Sounds good. Prayed and we felt that, you know, God was going to open up another door of opportunity for her. Um, I was on staff at a church in Auckland. Things were going awesome. And, uh, and then, you know, we, a few months go by, we're praying and looking for jobs for her and all of that kind of stuff. And then, you know, next minute she's over here at her uncle's 50th uh, birthday and, um, and she texts me and goes, hey, baby, you wouldn't believe it. I actually feel God putting on my heart that we're to move to Australia. In which I replied, get behind me, Satan. And I said, babe, I think, I know you're in the land of the, 
Aussie, your home country. She'd been in New Zealand for 20 years, you know, going through it. And I'd nearly got her a New Zealand passport and, uh, you know, nearly convinced her that she is a Kiwi. And, um, and then she texts me that and I'm like, ooh, hello. But I'm like, okay, cool. I'm open to it. You know, let's maybe explore this a little bit more if God's on it, if that's, you know, the direction that God was speaking at the start of the year. What we thought it was was not, actually didn't turn out to be what it was at all. We were completely wrong. How many know that our ideas are one thing, but God's idea is way better? And so, you know, we just said, oh, cool, let's just do the journey and let's just see what happens. And so um, we spoke with our senior pastor where we were at and he said, cool, let's just, we don't want to lose you, but, you know, let's just, if God's on it, we'll just see what happens. And uh, we got in contact and called up Pastor John and one thing led to another and next minute he was like, yep, you can come here and we've got a job for you. And it's like, awesome, that sounds cool. So we moved and, well, we're in the process of moving, but how many people know that the fact that God had opened the door, there's a whole bunch of steps and things that needed to line up before us even moving over here. And that was where the challenge lied, because we just refixed our mortgage for five years, because the talk in New Zealand back at that time was that the interest rates were going to climb up really quickly, going to go up a couple of percent, and I was freaking out, because I'm like, if it goes up that much, I'm not sure how we can pay it. So we refixed our mortgage, and then at that point, obviously, then a few months later, we were moving, I'm like, oh no, how am I going to get out of this mortgage now, because we need to sell our house to move over here. And so that was the challenge. What do I see in that, that situation? Because I knew the bank is not going to let us off without stinging us a fee. I was already losing thousands of dollars moving over here because the New Zealand dollar was not as good as the Australian dollar at that point. I think it's about even now. Kiwis are catching up. And, uh, and so anyway, well, I rang the bank and I'm like, hey, um, you know that mortgage I just refixed for five years? Probably not a smart idea, but you know, we've actually had an opportunity to move over to Australia. So we need to sell our house. Uh, what can you do for me? They're like, I'm like, is there going to be a break for you? I'm like, he's like, yeah, there is. I'm like, that's a bit stink. I'm like, what's it going to be? He's like, well, it's probably going to be a bit because you've only just refixed. You're at the start of your five-year uh, fixed rate. And, um, and so I'm, I'm freaking out here because I'm thinking, man, it's going to be thousands of dollars. And he said, let me just check for you. So he does a few calculations and whatnot, comes up and he comes back. And he's like, oh, hang on a minute. That can't be right. Let's just let me just put in a few more things. And I'm like, oh, hello. And, uh, you know, and so then he's doing a few more calculations. He comes back and said, um, I can't explain this and you wouldn't believe it, but for some reason, if you break today, there's no fee. He said, that never happens. That, there's never no break fee. But if you break today, there's no break fee. And I'm like, yeah, but I haven't sold my house. He's like, all good, just put on a floating rate. And then when you sell, there's obviously no fee either. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Break that baby right now. Where do I sign up? But you see, I could have got fixated on the fact that there was going to be a break, uh, a break fee and freak out. But then we also had to sell a house. We went to our real estate agent who had done stuff for us over the years. And she said, look, uh, auctions are really good at the moment. We had never done an auction before. She said, your house will sell prior to that anyway. The market's really hot, and so it'll be good. I'm like, cool. We had a figure that we were believing for, that we were wanting to get out of it. Had a couple of offers come in. There was lots of people in the first few weeks. Had a couple of offers come in, and they were about 20 grand less than what we were believing for. So what do we do? We're like, no, no, all good. We're going to stand firm and we're going to continue to believe and hold on to the fact that you know God will give us that 20 grand that we're believing for and so we said no but then as the weeks went by the auction was set about two weeks prior before we were to move and so it was quite a tight time frame and so as the time went on the people coming through was less and less and we were getting no more offers and I started to panic I started to freak I said babe what do we do what maybe we've missed the open door that God gave for us. Maybe that offer, even though it was less, maybe we were too greedy. Maybe we didn't hear from God. I don't know. Maybe God doesn't quite want to bless us as much as we thought he did. Maybe we should have taken that offer. What if it doesn't sell? 
We're not going to be able to move. I mean, yeah, I can maybe ring Pastor John, ask him for a loan. We're not sure how that's going to go down. And so I actually said to her, I'm going to ring the agent. And she was like, no, I think we should just hold on, just continue to believe in God. And I'm like, no, I'm going to ring the agent. I rang our agent and said, look, could you go back to those people and ask if that offer that they uh, put on the table a few weeks ago is still there? She said, yeah, I can if you want. So she rang them up and said, look, you know, they want to uh, accept your offer. Are you guys still prepared to take it? And we we're like, of course. I say, yes, they came back and said no. I'm like, whoa, what's going on now? Now I might not get nobody. They said, well, we'll rather wait for the auction. Auction came a few weeks later, and our house was the first one to go. It ended up selling for that figure that we were believing for, 20 grand more than what that initial offer was. Why? Because God is faithful. God is faithful if we continue to hold on. For me, I got caught up in what I saw in the natural, and I was making my decisions on that instead of believing in Jesus. But thank God for an amazing wife that continues to stand and believe and say, come on, babe, let's just do this. See, God's a faithful God. But what we choose to look at is the key because we could have looked at the roadblocks that we saw in front of us and thought, well, maybe God's actually not on it. Maybe God didn't speak. Maybe we misheard him. Maybe we've made the wrong choice. Maybe we need to turn around because it's not working out the way we thought initially. But yet if we continue to push a little bit on the roadblocks, we continue to remain in that place of faith, watch what God will do. Come on. Faith is to hear, to believe, and to obey God, no matter what we see in the natural. Faith can move mountains, but doubt can create them. Faith is like Wi-Fi. It's invisible, but has the power to connect you to what you need. When Wi-Fi goes down, what happens? The whole house is in turmoil. It's like World War III. We're like on the floor crying, oh my gosh, I can't get onto the internet. What am I going to do? I don't have enough data on my phone. (laughs) Okay, maybe it's just me. But yet we should be like that when we're in a situation and we realize we haven't connected to our source of power, which is Jesus Christ. We should react the same way. Who cares about Wi-Fi? The power comes from Jesus. Jesus is the answer. He has everything we need. So when circumstances don't look the right way, how about we start crying out to Jesus? How about we get on our knees? We start to get a little bit desperate. We start to pray and declare the goodness of who God is. The fact that our God is faithful. The fact that if he spoke it, it's he's faithful to see it through. How about we get a little bit passionate about that? How about we get a little bit desperate about that? It's our faith in God that activates his power to move. Not faith in what you see, not faith in what you understand, not faith in your ability, not faith in your bank balance, not faith in what the doctor says, but faith in Jesus. Faith in the power of the cross, faith in what he says about you. You are called, you are anointed, you can do all things. Greater is he who's in you than he who's in the world. The things that seem impossible, come on, one encounter with Jesus can all of a sudden just springboard you into the call of God. Philippians 4 verse 6 to 7, I love this, don't worry about anything. How many people here are carrying worry? My Bible says don't worry about anything. Instead, and here it is, pray about everything. Don't worry about anything. If your worry is leading and driving your actions and your decisions and your thought life, then pray. If your worry is causing you to speak negatively, then actually get in and pray. Get in and hang out with the presence of God. It carries on and says, tell God what you need. 
and thank Him for all that He has done. We tell people what we don't have. We tell people all the things that didn't work out. We complain and moan and groan. But how about we tell Jesus what we need? How about we go to Him and say, God, instead of complaining to my friend about how this whole situation is working out, God, I choose to run to You and I choose to tell You and lay it all before You and Your foot of the cross because You're the one that has the answer. Then it says you will experience God's peace. Who wants peace? Which exceeds anything we understand. I love that. God is above and beyond what we understand. We're not called to work it all out. We're not called to get all the answers before we move, before we step into the power and the presence of God, before we position ourselves for Him to move. Instead, we're just called to just hear and obey and watch the peace of God. He will, His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Do we see different circumstances in our life as roadblocks, or do we see them as an opportunity to see God's power move? Do you see the roadblocks that are in your life? And there will be them. They will be there. Do we see those roadblocks and say, oh, hang on a minute, I know I'm walking down the path that God's got for me, but yet there's a roadblock there, so actually I'm going to go to the left. You see, that's what the enemy wants you to do. He wants you to detour down a different road, whether that be to the left or the right, whereas God would say, no, no, would you continue to walk faithful, straight on the path that I've called you to walk on when you see a roadblock? Don't see it as a reason to detour. Don't see it as a reason to stop. Don't see it as a reason to turn around and go back to where you were. Instead, see it as a reason to see the power of God released in your life, to move in your life, to see that roadblock move. Because I know my God is a God who loves the opportunity to smash down a roadblock. God, My God is a God who loves the opportunity to move in your life, to see the giants, to see the things of challenge, to see the difficult things, to see the answers to prayer become a reality. But we, our, our role in that job is to position ourselves right. Stay on that path. Stay on that path. When we get God's perspective, we start to see circumstances in our life a whole different way. We need to continually ask God to, God, give us your perspective for our situations. Is that easy? No. But living for God's not always easy. The Bible says, take up your cross and follow me. And that verse alone speaks of sacrifice. Speaks that there will be challenges. There will be times where we need to trust him no matter what we see. But we need to continually ask, God, give us your perspective so we would see this situation through your eyes. Ask him that he would remove our filters of unbelief and negativity. You see, when we go through life, we have different roadblocks. We have different things thrown at us, different experience. People let us down. Hurt happens. Failed relationships take place. Opportunities that you stepped into that you thought would be awesome didn't work out. And we build up filters. Through that, because of our experiences. And so then when we're faced with something similar, we look through those filters of past hurt, pain, unbelief, negativity. And then we choose to, our actions are defined by that. But God says, would you drop off your filters and would you allow my filters to be the thing that you look through? And that comes down to a choice. We should see our valley moments as an opportunity for growth. When you're walking through the valley, you might be there right now. We all have them. How about we see that as an opportunity for growth? How about we see it as an opportunity for enlargement? How about we see it as an opportunity for expansion? How about we see it as an opportunity for God to increase our faith level? How about we see it as an opportunity that when we break through that, 
that he would then position us into a place of influence because now we have a testimony of how God came through in our valley moment because we chose to look at it the right way because we chose not to get caught up on what we see in the natural but continue to keep our eyes on Jesus and then we grew from that valley situation. If you handle it right, you'll be positioned further on when you're through it. And can I tell you, you will get through it. You will get through it because God is a faithful God. When we're in the midst of it, it's all we can see. Feels like we're going to be here forever, but God says, no, no. No, no, my timing is perfect. My anointing is there for you. As you walk through that valley, see it as an opportunity to grow. See it as an opportunity to position yourself that when you walk out of it now, you have a testimony that you can share to other people about the goodness of who God is, about the fact that he helped you out through that valley moment because you chose to get your eyes off the situation and onto the one who has the answer. The test doesn't come when everything's awesome and we're living on the mountaintop. Yeah, enjoy it. Yep, 100%. Enjoy that season. But the test is about when you're in the valley. It's what you do in the valley that determines where you'll end up. It's what you do in the tough times, the decisions that you make, what you choose to walk out and what you choose to live. Hey, the decisions that you choose to make, it's when you're in those seasons and those moments that will help determine where you'll be. So how about when we're in the midst of the valley, we choose to put our eyes on Jesus. We choose to look at the right thing. I love the story in Acts, verse 3, 1 to 2. It says, Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man who was lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one that they called beautiful, so that he could beg from the people going into the temple. And then pick it up in verse 3. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter and John looked at him intently. And Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked up at him eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I do have in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by by the right hand, helped him up. And as he did... The man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. When they realized he was the lame beggar that they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. Here's a lame, crippled man who was put at this gate to beg. He'd been that for all his life. Imagine the hundreds, if not thousands of people that would have walked past him over the course of his life, who, yep, saw the need, but that's all they saw. They saw the fact that he was lame, and some people would have just walked past and done nothing. Others saw it as an opportunity to meet his need where he was at and just give him money. But I love Peter and John's response, because, yeah, they saw the need. Yep, they saw that he was lame, but they looked at it completely different. They looked at it from a completely different angle. They didn't say, oh, this is a lame man. He needs some money to help buy food for the rest of the day or anything like that. They said, no, no, no. We see this as an opportunity to see the power of God move. We see this as an opportunity to be able to pray for him, to see him get healed. It's interesting, the lame and the lame man, what he saw, his circumstance, all he was looking for was for money. 
I wonder if he had have approached it differently where actually instead of begging for money, he was crying out for someone to bring the power of God into a situation if maybe God might have moved a little bit sooner. See, he chose to see the need and, and figure out an answer to that through his own perspective instead of seeing God's perspective. Every person that walked past him saw his need and saw it through their own perspective. So they gave him money, but yet these two were like, they were filled with the power of Jesus that they were said, no, 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 we're going to see this as an opportunity to see the power of God move. We're going to see this as an opportunity to pray for him and see him get healed, to see him walk into the call of God that he has for him. And not only did he get healed, but everyone was astonished. Everyone was amazed. You see, when we position ourselves to see the power of God move, and not only our life, but in the lives of those around us, man, testimonies of that, people start to catch on. People start to think, wow, there's something going on here. There's something about this Christianity thing. There's something about this God that we're talking about. Wow, this is pretty cool. Come on, we need to position ourselves to be those people who would not just see our needs differently, but we would see the needs of those around us completely different as well, that we would see things as an opportunity for God to move. Come on, power of God, there's more power in one word that is spoken from Jesus than in the power of the enemy combined. It's more power. One word, one touch from God, there's more power, there's more anointing than anything that the devil can throw at you. God is the source of all power and prayer is essential to experiencing His power in and through our lives. When you enter His presence with praise, He enters your circumstance with power. When you don't feel like coming to church on a Sunday, can I tell you that then this is the best place you need to be then? If you wake up in the morning, oh, I feel a little bit sick. Why don't we turn up and get ourselves in an environment where the power of God is who can heal you? When you're going through stuff, you've had a tough week, you've made some decisions you're not proud about, you feel condemned and you feel like you shouldn't go to church. No, no, that's not Jesus condemning you, friends. That's the enemy trying to rob you from getting into a place where there's power, where there's anointing. Because when you come into a corporate environment and you start to worship, you start to praise, you then position yourselves to see things differently and you position yourselves to see the power of God move in your circumstance. You can say, yeah, but Steve, I can pray at home. I can worship at home. Yeah, you can. And keep doing that. But sometimes we need other people's faith who are standing next to us to help get us the breakthrough. Sometimes we need the faith that's uh, here corporately to help us springboard us into the call that God has for us. So come on, when we turn up here on a Sunday, don't let your feelings determine how you worship. Don't let your feelings determine the choices that you'll make when you're sitting here, when you're worshiping. Just choose to lock in. Choose to push in. The power of God will take us out of our plans and put us into his plans. Peter was able to see the power of God move because of a God encounter that came through a daily devotion to pursue his presence. You can't do life on your own. You can't look at circumstances differently and have God's perspective if we're not pursuing God's presence. Because in the natural, we're just ordinary people. But when we link our natural with God's super natural, things become impossible. All of a sudden, the things that seem too difficult now are possible. And I love this about Peter and John because in Acts 2, we see the encounter that they had at Pentecost where they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And from that, that was the springboard that then, that then spring them into the call that God had for their life. Jesus said earlier in Acts 1, don't do anything, wait here until you receive a gift from me, which was the power of the Holy Spirit. But the interesting thing is, is that they didn't stay 
and allowed that one God encounter in Acts 2 to be the thing that sustained them through weeks and weeks and months and years. No, no, no. It says that daily, together in one accord, they connected and they hung out in the presence of God because they knew the importance of not coming into a God encounter once a week. They knew the importance of coming into a God encounter daily. Because it was out of the daily God encounter, they then were positioned to see souls saved daily, to see people healed, to see souls set free, to see the power of God move in their life and through their life because they chose to fix their eyes on Him. There were some tough situations, even in, I think, Acts 3 or Acts 4, it is, it talks about when they were brought before the council. They were told never to preach again because they were threatened. By the fact that these guys were doing amazing things in Jesus, they thought it would finish when Jesus was crucified, but yet it had only just begun. And then all these group of apostles and Christians and God-fearing, God-following dudes who started to get a little bit excited about him was seeing all these miracles and souls saved. And, and the Pharisees got a little bit threatened by that and they pulled them in and they threatened to kill them and all that kind of stuff and said, don't you speak of this name of this person ever again. So they had their trials, they had their challenges. Their response to that was they went home and they prayed again and they continued doing the call of God that was upon their life. Come on, we can do that as well. But we need to choose to look at our circumstances, look at situations through God's perspective. I want to finish with the story. There was a few years ago, uh, Al was in a supermarket and there was an elderly lady in front of her at the checkout. And uh, the elderly lady, they scanned all the groceries and all of that kind of stuff. And that was cool. And she had a, a female caregiver that was with her. She was at that stage where she needed a full-time caregiver. And, and she was there. And, and, uh, and anyway, the checkout lady says, oh, it'll cost you X amount of dollars. And the elderly lady's uh, walk, you know, looking through her handbag, and she can't find her purse. And then she goes, oh, no, I can't find my purse. I must have left it at home. I can't pay for my groceries. And at that point, Elle said that the caregiver started to get frustrated, started to get angry. said, I can't believe that you've left it at home. Man, what is with that? You know, now we're going to have to go all the way home and go all the way back and pay for it and all of that kind of stuff. I was thinking if I was in that situation, you know what my response to that would be? I'd be judging the uh, caregiver for not opening up her wallet and saying, hey, look, let me pay, right? Let me pay for it and then uh, you can fix me up when we get home. But Al's response was completely different because she's the spiritual one in the family. (laughs) She saw it as an opportunity to release the power of God in that situation through kindness. She actually said, come on, don't judge me for, for judging that person because probably many of us would have done that. All right. Her response was, let me pay for it. No, no, you don't need to go back home. I'll, I'll pay for it. It's funny how, man, God will speak to us and give us opportunities. We ask God to move in our life. We ask God to use us. And then often when he opens up that door of opportunity, it's right at the most inconvenient time. We're busy, we're on the run to an appointment, you know, things at home are crazy, kids are spacking out, all of that kind of stuff, and then all of a sudden God gives us an opportunity to do something for Him, whether it be an act of kindness, whether it be pray for someone, you're in the worst place of your life, and God puts someone in front of you who's sick, and you know on the inside that you should offer to pray for them, but yet you don't, because you feel like, oh, oh my, my relationship with God is not, as, not where it should be. God says, I don't care, just step out anyway, step out anyway. If you're busy, you're never too busy to fulfill the call of God. You might say, yeah, but I've only been a Christian for a little while. I don't know how to pray that well. I don't know how to read the Bible. I've only read, you know, one or two books. That's all good. You're not called to do it in your own strength. You're called to do it with the power of Jesus Christ who lives in you. All you're called to do is take that step of faith. And as you take that step of faith, He will meet you right where you're at.
And as she offers to pay, the lady, the caregiver, the checkout girl says, why, why would you do that? She says, because I'm a Christian, I just want to bless you. Didn't give any like super spiro, salvation altar call or anything like that. Just said, I'm a Christian, I just want to bless you. They were shocked. The old lady said, can I have your details so I can pay you back? I was like, no, that's no, all good. Financially, that was the worst time for us. We were going through a tough season in that moment. It was the last thing we wanted to do to pay for someone else's groceries who we don't even know. But yet she chose to position herself, to see that situation through God's filters, to be able to bring kindness and blessing to somebody's life. What's the opportunities that are before you? Where are you at personally in your life where you need God to help you see things differently, where you need to start looking through your filters instead of your own filters? Come on. Come on. Where's Jesus at? Where are you at today? Where's your life at? Who's there? What are you looking at? Jesus says, would you choose to look at me? Would you choose to not look at the circumstances, but instead look at me? Would you choose to see every opportunity as an opportunity to release the power of Jesus Christ? Thank you for listening to this life-transforming message. For service times, upcoming events, or to find out more about Inspire Church, log on to inspirechurch.com.au.